What? Building bridges. It's gonna be phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. You're good to go. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. No yawn again? What a surprise. <laughs> that never happened. What a surprise. <laughs> no, Jan is on vacation, and I'm sure he's going to be listening to us from his wonderful beach on the shores of Croatia. <sighs> yes. To be Jan. And your name Although is... you're about to leave as well. I'm going to lose you next week. <laughs> yes, and this is actually podcast-related, but more about that next week, hopefully, next week's episode. Um, yeah, you've got a little surprise for people next week, I think. Yes. But what is your name for people who listen to us for the first time? <laughs> oh, sure. I think I'm still Dave. Yes. I think. Dave. Yeah. And hopefully. this we'll is a Eurovision podcast for the rest of us. And I am nervous today because all I know about this episode is that I'm getting quizzed pretty much. Yeah, we're, see, we had to find a filler episode with Jan away, and uh, I thought this would be fun. I'll explain the quiz in a moment, but to try and calm your nerves, should I go over the little bit of news that we have first before we look at the game? If it's calming news, then yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, um, in terms of news, there's not much. I mean, it's still summer, obviously. Um, a bit of news out of Spain broadcaster there rtve revealed that benidorm fest's format will be announced uh in a press conference on the 26th of july uh, i assume it's in benidorm but i've seen a few um sources that say it will be in alicante so you know don't book your train tickets yet until you're sure um we already know that there'll be a maximum of 16 songs that was already announced and this year they're going to have six backup artists chosen in case of emergency i guess if uh i don't know if there's a, a diva that has to leave because she's not happy or he's not happy or i don't know it's somebody gets entrance. sick last minute <laughs> somebody gets hit by a bus i don't know but they're gonna have six backups uh, submissions are already open and will close in October on the 10th. And of course, this will be the third year in a row that Benidorm Fest will pick Spain's Eurovision artist, trying to get their first win since 1969. And no, that is not one of the questions. Sorry. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. The other news that I think most people might know, and I was shocked at how detailed the news was, uh, Luxembourg, of course, had their press conference a little while ago, and they kind of outlined what to expect from their first uh, televised national final in many, many years. Uh, Luxembourg usually did an internal selection. They don't have a big history of, of these shows. So I think all eyes will be on Little Luxembourg on the 27th of January, 2024, in the Rock Hall in Ech sur Alzette, which doesn't sound like much, but actually, if you look at the pictures, it's pretty impressive as a venue. Uh, applications are open, just like in Spain. Artists and songwriters that want to enter can apply in three categories. They're, I can see the German part of the Luxembourg uh, nationality coming out here. It's all yes. very detailed. It's all very organized. So singers can enter with their own song or they can apply without one. Songwriters can register their interest in a separate category if they want to potentially collaborate with a talent. 
Uh, they've got until October 1st to do that. But if you're an artist and you don't have a song ready, you can still compete. You can send an audio clip into the National Broadcaster RTL that introduces yourself performing a cover. But if you're going to do that, you only have until the 16th of July to do so. So three categories. Of course, you have to be 16 years old. They want you to be flexible with your time between November and May. And of course, they actually stated you must be able to sing live and be comfortable on a large stage. So I like that they added that. Uh, you have to be Luxembourgish to compete or have resided in the country for at least three consecutive years. They will make some exceptions for, I guess, I don't know if some big name applies. So good luck. And what I find interesting is there's no language requirement. So Luxembourg could send, I guess, their first song ever in English this year. Is that Very well, was question? that it? <laughs> That's all I had to say. I'm just, I'm just gauging your stress level. Yeah, you're still stressed. So I'll explain what's going to happen. So normally we play a little game at the end of the episode. But with Yanaway, we thought instead, why don't we test Sebi's Eurovision knowledge? Because he's such a a self-professed Eurovision know-it-all. And I don't think I'm bragging. I think you would tell most people that. I would tell most people that. That's what I hear from you guys all the time. Yes, you would. Yes, you would tell people that. No, I wouldn't tell people so, No. So we'll see if Sebi can beat... We'll see if Sebi can beat the computer. So I've prepared 10 questions that I have not told Sebi. Is this true? Are you ready to swear this on your... Religious text of choice. I swear that, and I also swear that we uh, had a call yesterday, and he uh, gave me a bunch of trivia questions that he found online, and I could answer all of them. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a whole lot of new questions that you're definitely not going to know. So that's very reassuring. Exactly. And this, this bank of questions came from the Eurovision board game that they put out just before COVID. So if you're, if you're a Eurovision nerd, don't waste your money because you're, you're going to find the questions too easy as we found out. So, yeah, so I've been, uh, I've spent the last little while kind of digging into the archives and the vaults and the statistics. And I've come up with 10 questions that I, well, we'll see. I hope Sebi can answer them. Uh, I've already put them through AI I already have the answers, so we'll, we'll play the answers for Sebi after he tells us his, his answers, and we'll just keep track. And of course, if you're listening at home, you can try and beat Sebi, you can try and beat the computer as well, Mr. Chat GPT, we'll call him. <sighs> so, just to see how this works, calm down, you're going to be okay. I prepared a, um, a sample, like an easy, mm -hmm. like a, 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 a litmus test, basically, to see how this would go. So, for example... Sebi, in what year was the Eurovision Song Contest cancelled because of COVID? Hmm, I'll have to think about that, but um, I would say one, two, three, 2020. 2020. Let's see what the AI had to say. In 2020, the Eurovision Song Contest, which was scheduled to take place in Rotterdam, Netherlands, was cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, in 2021, the contest returned with a modified format and safety protocols in place. The event was held in Rotterdam as planned, but without a live audience in the arena. So did you catch that last piece? Yeah. It did identify Rotterdam, it did identify 2020, but the last thing it said was the event was held in Rotterdam as planned, but without a live audience in the arena. It said in 2020 as planned, so it got it wrong. <laughs> 
No, no, it said, however, in 2021, the contest returned, but was held without a live audience in the arena. But that was an easy one. So we'll see what it does for the rest of them. We're also going to test it at the end. We're going to, we're going to tease it a bit and see if it can act as, I guess, since Crystal Ball on Twitter retired, we'll see if uh, we can get some future information out of it at the end. But that's just so, Sebi, do you want the first question? I guess so. <laughs> and again, I, th- I think they start easy and will gradually increase in difficulty. So you should, you should get this first one quite easy. All right. Number one. What was the first Eurovision Song Contest to apply the Big Four rule? Oh, well, um, that's, of course, tricky because, you know, semifinals were naturally introduced in 2004, as we all know. But um, the Big Four rule or the grounds for it were... um, caused after Germany did not make it in 96, and then they were first put in place in 1997. So Sebi says 1997. Let's see what the computer had to say. The first Eurovision Song Contest to use the Big Four rule was in 2000. The rule allowed the four largest financial contributors to the European Broadcasting Union to automatically qualify for the final of the contest, regardless of their semi-final performance. So Sebi says 1997, and mm-hmm. ChatGPT says 2000, and the correct answer is 2000. No, it's not. Fraud. It was Planet of Blue that caused this rule to happen. <laughs> yeah, it, they might have created the big four before them, but they didn't all match. All four didn't automatically qualify for the first time until 2000. That was when it was applied for the first time. AI is up one to nothing. That's- Question number two. When was the last time that a song which performed first in the running order won the Eurovision Song Contest? The whole contest, not the semifinal. Yeah. So open the grand final and won. Okay. That must be 1984, Harry's with Digaloo Digaloo. Okay, 1984, says Sebi. What did AI say? The host nation of the Eurovision Song Contest has placed last in the results only once in the history of the competition. This occurred in 1996 when Norway hosted the contest in Oslo. Their representative, Elizabeth Andreasen, performed the song I Ever Get Unfinished in last place with zero points. None of that was correct. So obviously... <laughs> Obviously, the AI not only didn't understand the question, but uh, it got it completely wrong. So um, the the opener has won the contest three times. Teach In in 1975, Brotherhood of Man in 1976, and lastly, Jerez in 1984. So you are correct, Sebi. So it's one to one. I know. (laughs) You... (laughs) See, it's two to one. There, there, no, there's the brazenness that's coming back. This, uh, oh, I don't know anything about your vision. You, you know everything about your vision. Ah, so we'll we'll ratchet it up a little bit. Let's see if you know this one. Number three. When was the last time the Eurovision Song Contest took place on a Sunday? I really can't tell you. I'll accept two answers for this one. Ah, 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 okay, uh, 2023, because it went all the way into Sunday. 
What? 2023? Yeah, because it went until Sunday. Lorene was handed the trophy on a Sunday because it was after midnight. Doesn't that happen every year that it goes after midnight? No. Because the song, the shows are so late. They're all three, four hours. If they start at nine o'clock, they all go until Well, nowadays, midnight. nowadays they are. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sebi's only 2023. 20, He's locked in his answer. Let's see what AI says. The Eurovision Song Contest has traditionally taken place on Saturdays. However, there have been a few exceptions when the contest was held on a different day. The last time Eurovision took place on a Sunday was on May 20th, 2012. That year, the contest was held in Baku, Azerbaijan, and the final took place on a Sunday instead of the usual Saturday due to the local observance of a religious holiday on the Saturday. Again, which is also false, it was only a Sunday in local time already. But 26th of May 2012 was a Sunday. Uh, it was a Saturday. So I would have accepted Azerbaijan because it did, mm -hmm. it was like if you had a ticket for that event, it would have said Sunday. But there's actually a different answer. There was one that was scheduled for a Sunday that happened in Europe, scheduled for a Sunday evening in Luxembourg in 1962. And that was the first and last time it was ever intentionally scheduled on a Sunday. So the best answer there would have been 62. The question wasn't what, if it began, when it began on a Sunday, just when it took place. And it still took place on a Sunday this year. <laughs> so it's not false. Yeah, but then all of... But then all of them would have been on a Sunday. Yeah, they went in until Sunday, into Sunday. Then that would be not the easiest question in the world. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You're not weaseling your way into a point. Not going to happen. I'm going to give the computer a half point for that, because it got Azerbaijan, but it got the reason wrong. Uh, so that what? is 1.5 1. 1. for AI and 1 for SEBI. So they're le he, that's really unfair. I almost said he. It's it's leading you by half a point. Well, there's still se what seven questions left. You still have time. Question four: What country was the first to add an insignia to the Eurovision Song Contest's key ring? Was it Belgrade, Serbia, two thousand eight? I don't know. I really don't know. It was pretty late. Like it wasn't. Let's see what AI said. The first country to add an insignia to Eurovision's collection was Sweden. In 2013, when the contest took place in Malmo, Sweden, the host country introduced the tradition of creating a unique Eurovision insignia. The Swedish insignia featured a stylized butterfly design, which represented the transformation and diversity of music. This marked the beginning of a new tradition where each host country creates its own insignia to represent its edition of the Eurovision Song Contest. So the computer knew what the insignia was, but it had the year and the country wrong. So Sebi, you were very, very close with 2008. Very, very close. So the first ceremony was in Belgrade because Finland showed up with the insignia and started the tradition there. So the first insignia on the keychain was from Finland. So you were very, very close. Low. Yes, from you to it's ask not, that question. It's not a, how is that low? It's it's a part of the Eurovision festivities every year. It's part of the semifinal allocation draw, which mm -hmm. I, I assume most people watched. I don't know. I watch it every year. Anywho, question number five. How many times has the host nation of the Eurovision Song Contest 
placed last in the results. I am pretty sure that we were first with that in 2015 with the make makes. We oh, so we being Austria. Unless, okay. Um, this is based on the official ranking. Yeah, what else? Not the fictional ranking okay. in my head. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> I would say once. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. I think we were the first one to be... to get zero points as a host country. I don't know if we were first to be last. Well, not counting... Hang on. <laughs> so this, this is of all time. So from 1957, really, because we don't know about 56. So from 1957 until 2023... Mm-hmm. How how many times has a host nation been last? Yeah, yeah, I need to count. Hang on. A little longer than a few minutes later. I still think that we were the only ones to get zero um, as a host country. But um, there was also Portugal in 2018. Um, I've been going through all of them. I can only think of two, so I'm, I'm going to say twice. But it's wrong. It's it's wrong. Yeah, I know that. Let's see what AI said. I, AI had a lot to say here, actually. The country hosting Eurovision has placed last in the results a total of five times in the history of the competition. In 1958, the Netherlands' Corey Brocken with the song Heal the Verald placed last with one point. In 1963, the United Kingdom's Ronnie Carroll with the song Say Wonderful That's Things wrong. took joint last place with zero points. In 1969, Spain's Salome with the song Vivo Cantando took joint last place with 18 points. In 1978, the United Kingdom's Coco with the song The Bad Old Days took joint last place with 61 points. And in 1983, Germany's Hoffman and Hoffman with the song Rockzicht got last place with zero points. Okay, so AI seems to think it happened five times. So it was three times, right? Uh, you... You That's said twice. Oh, no, you're saying three times now. What's your final answer? Two or three? Three times. Oh, Sebi. It was twice. What? It, the host country. Hold on, the host country. So uh, AI started off really well. So Netherlands 1958, that did come last yeah. place with one point as home country. And the second and last time that happened was Portugal 2018, which you also mentioned. Yeah, but Austria... Austria did not come last place. Germany came last place, according to the rules. Yeah, but that's really stupid, because they had zero points. <laughs> you can't decide what rules you think are smart and which ones are stupid. Austria did finish with zero points, and you, you were right. Austria is the first and only time a home country has gotten zero points, which I almost asked, but I thought you would get that for sure, and you did. So I asked the other one instead. So I'm giving AI no points for that because that was too much. So it's still 1.5 to to 1. AI got everything wrong. AI got named winners as last places. <laughs> yes, that's why I'm not giving it any yeah. points for that one, for number 5. Follow Building Bridges on Instagram at building underline bridges underline podcast. So for number six, question number six, 
What was the first country in Eurovision Song Contest history to perform that got zero points? The first country. Yes, the first country to step on stage that wound up with zero points. So that would be the first in running order, like not considering if they were several. And we don't right. count 56 so either. 56 doesn't count, no, because there were no points that year. So to make it easy, instead of naming the, 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 the singer and the song, just we'll go with, I'll take the country. My first guess was Spain, because I know that in 19, I think 1962 was the first year when four countries got zero points. And Spain performed in number two after Finland. So they would be the first one to step on stage. But I don't know if they were the first ones to be... Like, I'm just going to say Spain with Yamame in 1962. Okay. So not, not Ursh. No. The first time Yamame went to Eurovision. Okay. Let's see what AI thought. The first country in Eurovision history to receive zero points was Belgium. This occurred in the inaugural edition of the contest in 1956. The Belgian entry was performed by Fad Leclerc with the song The Drowned Gentleman of the Seine. Despite his performance, Belgium did not receive any points from the voting juries, resulting in a last-place finish along with the Netherlands and Luxembourg. It's worth noting that the voting system and rules were different during the early years of the contest compared to the current format. So, yeah, no. <laughs> Sebi said Spain, computer said Belgium with a very odd explanation. The correct answer is Belgium. But not in 1956, obviously. Uh, it was in 1962. Sebi, you said Spain performed in second in the running order. It was actually Belgium. Spain performed third. And Belgium, no. Spain, and Austria performed back to back to back, and all three got zero points. So it was Belgium. And so, because uh, AI got it right, but then messed up the explanation, I think we can take a half point away again. So that will give AI a one point lead over Sevi. No, they also named the wrong entry. They said Belgium 1956, and they said. Uh Monsieur Noy de la Seine, which was a totally different entry. So it didn't get it right. Exactly what I just said. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't deserve any points you're, for that. You're, you're, you're blinded by your rage that you're not even listening to what I'm saying. So it is now two to one. That annoying half point uh, lead is now gone. That's good. Uh, number seven. Complete the lyrics from a song that competed at Eurovision. Love is like a black hole. Everything is dark. You just got to let go and feel it, feel it, feel it. So I love beyond the bones. Let's see what the computer said. Find a brand new start. Hold on to your dreams. Let the light guide your way. Through the shadows, it seems. Love will brighten your day. Uh, Sebi said Equinox with bones. And the correct answer, of course, is... Love is like a black hole. Everything is dark. You just gotta let go and feel it, feel it, feel it. 2018, Bulgaria. So, full point for Sebi. AI, so I googled uh, what AI came up with. AI said, um, find a brand new start. Hold on to your dreams. Let the light guide your way. I think it actually started to write its own Eurovision song. It didn't understand the prompts. Mm -hmm. So, 
Congratulations. We're at a tie. Two questions. No, three questions left to go. Eight, nine, and ten. I can count. <laughs> Uh, and we have a tie. This is interesting. Ooh, 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 ooh. Sebi, question number eight. How many times has the United Kingdom finished in second place in a year when it hosted the Eurovision Song Contest? No, <laughs> that does not count. No. Because we all know the UK has the record for second places with 16. But, of course, that, that was from all years, not just when they hosted. So how many of those second places came when they were actually hosting the contest in their country? Oh, fuck. Which is also a record for most second places by a home country. <laughs> well, looking high, high, high was second. And that was Katie Boyle who hosted that, so it was UK. Um, I Belong was in Naples. Um, Cliff Richard, congratulations. Because the crowd was screaming. That was the first like crowd screaming moment in Eurovision history when they were in the lead. <laughs> and then Spain was like, no. <laughs> yeah, and Katie Boyle didn't know what to do with the when, rambunctious crowd. <laughs> but like only when, when they hosted not when they... Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the New Seekers, Beck, Steel, or Borrow. Um, um, Rock Bottom, 1977. Um, Love Enough for Two was third. It was in second. And it was also in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Imani, 98. They were, the 90s were all in Ireland, all the others. I, I'm thinking of the 90s. Well, five. I can't think of anyone else right now. No! No, uh, oh, no. Oh, 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 oh. Looking high, high, high was in the UK. I hear Katie Boyle saying, because after, you know, I had this clip of uh, Tom Pillyby downloaded, and after that, there was a bit of Katie Boyle talking. So that must have been in the UK. So I'm going to say five times. Okay. <laughs> it, it, are, you, are you good now? No. <laughs> Can we listen to what your competition had to say? <laughs> I'm fully entertained. We should do this every week. Uh, so AI thought the following. The United Kingdom has finished in second place twice in years when they hosted the Eurovision Song Contest. The instances are as follows. In 1968, the United Kingdom hosted Eurovision in London. Cliff Richard represented the United Kingdom with the song Congratulations and finished in second place with 28 points, just one point behind the winning entry from Spain. In 1977, the United Kingdom hosted in London once again. This time, Lindsay DePaul and Mike Moran represented the United Kingdom with the song Rock Bottom and achieved second place with 121 points. They were narrowly beaten by France's entry, which won with a margin of only one point. So again, interesting. Very detailed answers from AI. Um, so it does know some stuff. So five was Sebi's answer, two was AI's answer, and the correct answer is, of course, Sebi. So nine times they've hosted, and of course five of those now have been second places. Uh, the others, uh, well, you, you mentioned them all. High, 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 lost by seven points. AI was right. Uh, La 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 beat uh, Congratulations by one point. Bag Stealer Boro lost to Après Toi by 14 points. Rock Bottom lost to L'Oiseau et L'Enfant by 15 points, not one point like AI said. 
and the big <laughs> defeat in Birmingham in 1998, Diva beat Where Are You by six points. So that means that we are three to two with two questions left. Sebi, if the computer gets this next one wrong, you win by default. Mm-hmm. How does that sound? <laughs> Not so good. Still, I'm still mm-hmm. disappointed already. Oh my god! No, these are tough. I told you, I've been, I've been digging, I've been researching, and I've been trying to think of things that you wouldn't know on purpose yeah, to make this as you. interesting as possible. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so the penultimate question. Listen very carefully. I chose this one because you were there during the voting. At Eurovision 2015, which country's jury awarded Sweden enough points? A country, a country presented its votes, and after that, they said, we, "We've done the math. We have a winner now." Yes, exactly. Because, because we have we had that phase, I guess, in the 2010s when they used to do that. So that was also, of course, the last time that happened because in the year after they changed the system. So I asked this question because it was the last time it happened that they declared the winner early so what country was giving its points when this happened i never watched that voting because i hated the winner but i know that in 2014 it was ukraine um i think san marino gave zero to russia valentina moneta and 12 to latvia as they should and she was one of the last ones but it I'm between because they delayed so many countries, you know, they lost connections so many times. So all like the planned voting countries. <laughs> uh, I'm between San Marino and Italy. I think Italy. Okay. So Sebi says Italy. What did AI have to say? During the voting of the Eurovision Song Contest 2015, it was the jury from Italy that awarded Sweden enough points to secure their victory and become the winner of the contest. The Italian jury's points put Sweden in an unassailable lead, meaning that mathematically, no other country could surpass them in the final results. Sweden's entry that year was Heroes performed by Mons Selmerlove. So, uh, Sebi, you said Italy? Yeah. AI said Italy. This is what happened. This is Nicosia calling. Cyprus has voted. Sweden, 10 points. Let's wait, deep one. Well, I've just heard, actually, we've done the math. However, we have further countries coming up, but it's no longer possible for any other country to catch up. We already have a winner, and the winner is Sweden! Did you recognize the voice? Was it Lucas? No. I don't know. That was Lucas Hamatsos from... You said no. Yeah. (laughs) Although interesting that you and AI both thought it was Italy. So I did check. I did go back and watch the the end of the video. Italy was close to the end. Uh, Cyprus was the 36th country out of 40 to give the points. Italy was the 34th. So Russia needed 41 points to pass Sweden at that point. But if they had gotten all the 12s, they could have gotten 72. But after Cyprus gave those points, uh, Russia needed 55 to win. And there were only 48 left with all the 12s. So that's why it was after Cyprus that Mons had mathematically won. And of course, the last time we found out early and kind of ruined the voting for everybody when they announced it. 
All right. This is it. Question 10, the last one. It's all up to this. You get this right, you win the game. Three to two. And I wonder I wonder how people at home, I hope people write in, we'll have to remind them how to get in contact with us on Instagram and let us know if they've been playing along, how they did. Or just don't. Just don't. You know. or, <laughs> especially if you beat Sebi, please let me know. I'll print them off and send them to him. I have his address. I have postcards. Question number 10. Who was the last person to conduct an orchestra at the Eurovision Song Contest? The last person. How is your knowledge of the conductors? I know which country it was. I know which year it was. I know everything. I know the running order spot. I know the place when it got. I can't tell you. Okay, so tell, tell, tell us all that. Tell us all that. It was in 1998. It was North Macedonia. It was, uh, the song was called Nesori Soro. Yep. And he was Vlado Janevsky, was it? The, yes, the, the artist, yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you who the conductor was, unless I don't only know Osirune. I'm going to say Osirune because I don't know any other conductor. Let's see if AI knew. The last person to conduct an orchestra at the Eurovision Song Contest was Shimon Karan. He conducted the orchestra during the 2012 edition of the contest, which took place in Baku, Azerbaijan. This marked the final year in which a live orchestra was used during the performances. Starting from the 2013 contest, the use of a live orchestra was discontinued, and all performances have since been accompanied by pre-recorded backing tracks or live bands. So we obviously know that's wrong. So, mm-hmm. Sebi, you win anyway. I'm going to give you a, a half point for knowing all the other information, because that was very impressive. <laughs> North Macedonia, mm-hmm. or former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, was last. You got the artist right. You got the song name right. Uh, you just didn't know the conductor. So, I mean, that's still pretty good. The guy's name was Alexander Jambazov, and he passed away last year. Anyway, that gives us a final score of three and a half for Sebi and only two for AI. What did you find most uh, shocking of this little experiment, if anything? All of it. I know you're just. Dis- I know you're disgruntled, but no, just like I, I had a few observations from what the computer came back with. Your own performance aside, you can you can think what you will of that, but just in terms of of using AI to ask it trivia questions like this, how did how did you find it? Shit, because it didn't know stuff at all and got everything wrong. Yeah, it got. I, I felt like, but I mean, it did. The thing is, the more it explained, the more it went, you know, down the hill. And, like, the more it, like, it could have just given, like, one number or one answer, like, one country. But the more it explained, the worse it got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, when I said what country was the first to get zero points, it knew it was Belgium. And if it had just said Belgium, great. But it kept going and dug its own grave when it picked the wrong year, picked the wrong song. Um, so that happened a lot. So I found that, but also I found it was very, like that very last answer that goes very brazen. There's no like, oh, we're, we're 70% sure or whatever. It's like, no, 
the last uh, last time there was an orchestra was in 2012. After 2012, they got rid of the like. It's just yeah. so confident. Like, so if 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 you didn't know anything about Eurovision, you would be leaving this now. Like, oh wow, they had orchestras up until 2012. You would mm-hmm. have no idea. So I find I find it was very very firm in its non knowledge of its of its incompetency, I guess, of its limitations. So the moral of the story is don't use AI in exams because it's only full of shit. I guess. I guess that's my former teacher training coming back. Uh, <laughs> don't cheat, kids. Don't cheat because you're going to get it wrong. Um, but also, I asked it some some predictive questions to see. And based how it did with stuff it could actually look up on the internet and how much it got wrong, I'm kind of um, skeptical on these answers, but I did ask it two questions. I asked it the question that's on everybody's mind this week, because we will probably know by the end of this week where we're going in Sweden. So I asked it, which Swedish city would make the best Eurovision Song Contest host city? And then it was very direct. I asked it, which country will win the Eurovision Song Contest 2024? So if you want to get your betting uh, sorted now. Maybe you'll you'll agree or disagree with what it has to say. But let's listen first what it thought the best Swedish host city would be. Determining the best option for a Eurovision Song Contest host city is subjective and depends on various factors and preferences. Each potential host city in Sweden offers unique advantages and characteristics. Stockholm, with its experience and infrastructure, may be considered a strong choice due to its previous successful hosting of the contest and its status as the capital city. Gothenburg brings its own charm and vibrant atmosphere, while Malmö offers a convenient location and a track record of hosting the competition. Ultimately, the best option would depend on considerations such as venue availability, transportation logistics, local support, accommodation options, and the vision of the organizers. It is up to the Eurovision Song Contest organizers to evaluate these factors and select the host city that best aligns with their goals and requirements for the event. So, for a hypothetical question, I mean, it did, I, I feel like it did a really good job. It, it no, Nothing there was wrong. It was very accurate in its assessment of the three probably front-runner cities It said Stockholm would likely be the best of the three. It knew the criteria that the EBU are looking for to pick a host city. I'm I should I should have asked that as one of the questions. It would have got a point. Poor Ulrik wasn't mentioned. No, it wasn't. But now, to be fair, they they were bold enough to say that they were that they threw their hat in the ring. I mean, five of the shippings could have also uh, made a bid, and we just don't know about it because they didn't announce it. So we'll we'll find out uh, we'll find out this week who who actually applied. So so what country will win the contest? Belarus. Belarus. It's gonna. We're gonna tell you right now what country is gonna win in 2024. You heard it here first. To find out the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest in 2024, it would be best to follow the official announcements and watch the contest as it happens. Enjoy the show and may the best song win. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> There. Nothing, nothing. It would not tell us. I forced it over and over again. Give me a country, name a country. It wouldn't do it. Although I do, I do like how it was nice enough to tell us to watch and enjoy the show because we will. Yeah, just because it told us to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. uh, that was fun. And, and you, you won. You. you won this little wager. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a ball. I'm going to do this every week. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, next week the tables are going to turn, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Much easier questions. Like, what was the shoe size of the performer of number six in 1987? Well, I guess we'll leave it there for another week. we we'll wait for uh, Jan to come back. Thank you for listening. Um, follow us on Instagram. We're building Underline Bridges Underline Podcast there. And uh, feel free to leave us a review and to give a like to this episode.